Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to Psalm 57. Amen. Thank you. Can I get an amen? amen. Hey, pretty good gift. I'll take it. Uh, open your Bibles to Psalm 57. I have a lot of material to cover here tonight, but I want to get you to mark some things in your Bible. Every psalm is a beautiful psalm, and every part of the scriptures are great. But this is a God psalm. They're all God psalms. But in this psalm, I'm pretty sure if I remember right, there are 21 times God is mentioned either in proper noun or pronoun. If you look at verse 1, it says, O God, then a little bit further down, thee, thy. And that's three times in one verse. It's a God psalm. And uh, it is God who does the work. And when you get a hold of that, you have the greatest truth of all. That the God that saved us is the God who can get us through and help us. David is hiding in a cave. Saul is out to get him. He is in trouble again. He lives in trouble. His Psalms are written when he's in trouble. Because when you're in trouble, you need God. And David used to go alone with him. Verse 2, I want you to underline. I'll get around to this again, Lord willing. But I just want you to make sure you get these truths. Underline this. Unto God that performeth all things for me. You need to underline that. Unto God who performs all things for me. Do you see that? The God of heaven. The God of heaven is the one who does it. Some of you have a hope so salvation because you do it. But if God does it, God performs all things for me. He that began a good work in me will fulfill that work. The Bible is pretty clear. God keeps his word. He said the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life. Gifts are free to the receiver and costly to the giver. I'll show you two more things. <clears throat> David's in trouble. You're in trouble. And when you're in trouble, what you need to work on is getting your heart fixed. Go to verse 7. My heart is fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. You know, he's in a cave. He's surrounded by enemies. He should be killed. He should die. He should not live. But that's not what's going to happen. In the middle of the cave, when he's still in danger, when he still may be killed, he gets a hold of God and he says, circumstances might not have changed, but my thinking has changed. My heart has changed. I was listening to fear and now I'm listening to faith. My heart is fixed. That's pretty good. You ought to underline that. You ought to say amen on that one right there. I'm going to get it with electric light where I can just push a button when your turn is. Verse 9, verse 9. This is something that breaks my heart about our church. David said, now God, when you take care of me, I'm going to brag on you among the congregation, among your people. Look, if you would, at verse 9. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. Not a private prayer, not a private thank you, but next time I'm hanging around with the people of God, I'm just going to tell everybody how good you are. You know, it'd be a good thing. I thought, I'll be honest with you. When I'm preaching or preparing to preach, I'm always thinking of what I want to do. And I honestly thought about stopping right in the middle of this and saying, all right, time to do some praising. And among the people, 
Let the people of God know you know God and believe him. But he also says, colon, see the colon in your notes? I will sing unto thee among the nations. He's saying, I'll get out among the Gentiles. I'll get outside the nation of Israel. I'll think about other people. That's world evangelism. You can write that in the margin. He said, I am going to sing about our great God to people that do not belong to the same group that I belong to. That's world evangelism. People say, I find it everywhere. I can read. I mean, it's not hard to find all nations pretty clear. Amen? I mean, that means, that means, that means African people. That means Chinese people. That means Indian people. It just means I'll get them all. Later on, he'll expound on that when he says every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. And so we know that God's into that. Go with me, if you would, to verse 1. David's in trouble, and he starts off doing what we all ought to do when we're in trouble. David prays. David prays. He says in verse 1, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful. You need to understand what mercy and grace are because sometimes you get them confused. Mercy, grace is getting something you don't deserve. See, you don't deserve eternal life. If you got what you deserved, you go to hell. And I should get an amen right there. Not a person in this room can be good enough to go to heaven. Not a person in this room deserves to go to heaven. But mercy is when God doesn't give you what you do deserve. And old David's not been walking the best way. He's kind of been doubting. And he's got some stuff going on. And he says, God, I need you to take care of me. I just need you to show me mercy. David asked God to hide him from the calamities that surround him. He speaks from his cave, but while he's in a cave hiding, he enters the Holy of Holies and talks to God. He says, be merciful unto me. Oh, God, be merciful. And he says, I know I can trust God. Look at verse 7. My soul trusts in thee. God, I trust you. God, my heart trusts you. And God, I need to hide. I need your protection. In the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. God, I am scared to death. Saul is outside. Saul has his armies. There's no way I can win. So I'm asking you to step in here because this problem is bigger than I am and I'm going to trust you with it. And I'm going to hide under your wings, under your protection. I may be in imminent danger, but I know God is real and God is able. And when you're in trouble, you need to get to God. Amen. You need to go to God. And when you do go to God, you ask him and you lay it on him. And then you back off and say, I will trust God. That's what he does in verse two. He prays asking and expecting God to hear him. Look at verse two. I will cry unto God most high unto God that performs all things for me. Do you understand what he said? He said, I'm going to go to God. I'm going to go talk to God, and I'll tell you what God does. God hears me, and God answers me, and God does stuff for me. God is a personal God involved in my life. You ought to underline that. You see, David prays expecting. Won't you write Hebrews eleven six right here? No real prayer works without you expecting God to work. In Hebrews eleven six, he said, Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, that he really is God, and that he is a rewarder 
of them that diligently seek him. He's like, if you want to go talk to God, you got to believe God will hear you and God will answer you and he will reward you. God will do a work in your life. In Psalm 138, in verse 8, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hand. Now I need you to look at me just a second because some of you still hadn't figured this out. Salvation's a God thing, not a man thing. Now you need to understand what that means. When you get in the ark and he shuts the door, you're safe. If you hang on the outside, that's a man thing. But after 40 days of rain, day and night, and after uh, 180 days or whatever it was that they're totally out there and all suffering, you would not be alive. But if you let God take care of you, you'll be all right. Now look at what he said. God performs all things. Then in Psalm 138, he said, God will perfect that which concerns me. God will mature me. God will carry me through. God will get the job done in my life. Oh God, don't forsake that. In Philippians 1, 6, he said, you should underline that, being confident. I am confident of this, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. On May the 6th, 1962, a little boy, seven years old, about to turn eight years old, sat in a church service. And out of nowhere, at Wrigley Baptist Church, the Lord was working in my heart and convicting me. I wasn't good enough to get saved. I caused trouble in church all the time. My daddy snapped his big old fingers and scared the whole church to death. He thumped our heads and everything else because we wouldn't be quiet. But that morning, I knew God spoke to me, and he began to work in me. He saved me because he sent Jesus down the cross, and the one that began it will finish it. David recognized it is it's all the work of God. God chose David to be king. You know why David can pray these prayers with such confidence? Because he's standing on the word. See, he's standing on the word. And you've got to get a better attitude about the Bible. You've got a pretty lackadaisical view because you had not read it yet today. You haven't studied it. You haven't memorized it. You're not working on it. But when David's in trouble, David's like, I know what God said. God's going to make me king and he performs. God said it's going to happen, so it's going to happen. And I'll tell you this, God gave you eternal, everlasting life. We had a kid here not long ago, a couple of weeks ago, and he was explaining to me how he could lose his salvation. And I said, well, did God give you everlasting life? He said he did. I said, what's that mean? He said, well, I guess it means everlasting. I said, so you reckon that means partial lasting, right? Short-term lasting, right? I said, what's eternal mean? He said, that means forever. I said, well, maybe he gave you that. Salvation is a God thing. You didn't earn it. God will keep his word. It's often difficult for you to accept that you are not earning heaven because you're so prideful. You like to walk around and say, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good guy. I'm going to heaven because I give so much money. I'm going to heaven because I don't commit sexual sin. I'm going to heaven because I'm a good guy. Well, nobody gets there that way. David asked God for help. Look, if you went to Psalm 57, 3. He asks for help and he expects. He says in verse 3, he will send from heaven and save me. Do you get that? David knew, I'll pray, God will hear, and God will answer me. God will take care of it. David wanted to be vindicated. He was not a traitor. He was not trying to steal the throne. 
He says, from the reproach of him that swallowed me up, Saul and other people are telling everybody that David is trying to steal the throne. And David's like, that's not true. I've not done anything. I'm, I'm innocent in this. And everybody's accusing him and attacking him. He said, God will take care of me. God will vindicate me. Verse three, God shall send forth his mercy, his mercy and his truth. Let God establish things. How do you pray? Do you pray God-centered prayers? That means like this psalm is like 21 times God, 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 God. It's just God. Well, that's what prayer is. Prayer is going to a God that really is and that really hears and that really answers and rewards those that pray. Do you trust him with the results? Many of us pray and we cry and we whine and we raise our voices and tears run down our cheeks, but we don't trust God. The story here, David's still in the cave. He doesn't even get out of the cave, but before he gets through praying, he goes, I got it. I'm fixed. I'll be all right. God's going to take care of things. That's where you've got to get. You recognize it's God doing the work in you. Do you leave your burdens with him? Now, David is surrounded by horrible trouble. Look if you would at verse four. He says, there are lions. There are people set on fire. There are teeth like spears and arrows. Their tongue is a sharp sword. He's very likely in the cave of Engedi. He had 600 men that ran away with him. He is so afraid that something might happen. He takes his mom and daddy and goes over to Moab and leaves them there because he doesn't know if he'll be able to save them or protect them or not. The only encourager he has is Jonathan. Everybody else is kind of turning on him and looking to him and expecting him. He's hiding where he can. He's discouraged and he's in danger. But he knows this. I've got to make much of God. Look at verse 5. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. Now here's our prayer. God, you know you said you was going to make me king. You know you said you was going to make me rich. You know you was going to make me successful. And God, you need to get with it because I need to be exalted. That's not how David prayed. David said, God, it ain't about me. It's not about me. It's not about me being king. It's not about me being exalted. Oh, God, it's about you. And I want you exalted. And I want you glorified. And then he says, they've set everything in motion to destroy me. Look at verse 6. They have prepared a net. They've digged a pit. But he says, it's amazing what God does. He causes them to fall into the traps they built. Look at verse 6, last part, into the midst where they are fallen themselves. See, David is saying, God takes care of me. Everything out there, I should be getting in the net. I should be getting in the trap. I should be getting killed. But God makes them fall in their own trap. 1 Samuel chapter 24 is the story. I'm going to read it real quickly to you. I don't know if you're able to keep up, but David is in the wilderness of En Gedi, most likely verse 1. Saul has 3,000 chosen men out of Israel, and they are trying to seek David, who has 600 men. And they come out to where David supposedly is, and Saul goes into a cave to rest. And David and his men are in that cave, just 
coincidentally, which there aren't any. Amen. Uh, he, he, he says, they go into David's cave. They go into David's cave. And David, his men are sitting around there. And, and, and all of the, Saul's men are outside guarding him. From David, so David can't get in. David's like, I have got in here. And he's in the cave. And they remained in the sides of the cave. And David got up and he cut off Saul's robe privately. He sneak up there and he cut off a part of his, got his coat and cut off a chunk of his coat. But David's so sensitive to the Holy Spirit, which we lose. We lose this. We are not listening to him anymore. We're not asking him to speak to us anymore. The Bible says, man, you ought to book, look this up in your Bible. You ought to underline it. In 1 Samuel 24, 5, it came to pass after that David's heart smote him. Now, what in the world does that mean? I don't know. His heart went, bam. I didn't do right. I cut Saul's skirt. God's not happy with me. Verse 6, he said, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master. He's the Lord's anointed. And it's wrong to stretch forth your hand against him because God anointed him. David doesn't need to be fighting this battle. That's God's battle. God put Saul in, and God will take Saul out when he gets good and ready. And so David's men, they're like, let us kill this buzzard right now. And the Bible says in verse 7, David stayed his servants. And Saul rose up out of the cave, and he went on his way. So David stepped outside and goes, Hey, not y'all leaving. I thought I'd show you. Here's a chunk of your robe right here. He says, Hey, I didn't try to hurt you. David said to Saul in verse 9, Wherefore hearest thou me? Why do you listen to men's words when they tell you that David wants to hurt you? I will not hurt you. I won't fight you. You want to fight me? I won't fight you. It says in verse 10, I will not put forth my hand against my Lord. He is the Lord's anointed. I cut off your skirt. I cut off a part of your robe, but I didn't kill you. I have not sinned against you, but you're hunting me like a dog. And then he said, the Lord will avenge me of thee. He said, why do you chase me? You chase me like a dead dog. You're coming after a flea. I just want God to judge between us and decide what's right. And Saul said, is this my son, David? This is verse 16. Is this my son, David? Is that your voice? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept and said, David, you're more righteous than I am. You have rewarded me good when I rewarded you evil. And you didn't kill me. And Saul admitted this. I know God wants you to be king. First Samuel 24, 19, the Lord reward thee good for what you've done. Verse 20, I know well that thou shalt surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand. Thou wilt not cut off my, please don't kill my kids. Please don't kill my kids. And David said, I won't. See, here's what you got going on. David's in danger. David's in a cave. David has prayed. David has asked God to do something. He's surrounded by horrible problems. And maybe you don't know how horrible they are, but I need you to understand 3,000 soldiers against 600 soldiers. The odds are not very good. You can kill four and the fifth one will get you. They are not good odds. But David in all that trouble has prayed to God and asked God to work. And here's what David says. I know God will take care of me. David says, okay, 
I've been getting nervous. I've been getting upset. I've been letting circumstances get me off center. I've been, I've been a little bit kind of messed up here. But now my heart, verse 7, is fixed. Oh, God, my heart is fixed. David prepared his heart. David settled his heart. And David focused on God. What's exciting is this. In the middle of his trouble, David said, all right, got her fixed. Let's sing. I remember some boys in a jail cell one time. And they were going to kill him. And in the middle of the night, they just started praising God because their heart was fixed on God and not their circumstances. David says in verse 8, I will get up early. Verse 8, awake up my glory. Psaltery and harp, I, will, I myself will awake early. He's like, I'm going to get up before the dawn and I'm going to brag on my God. I just need you to understand. There's 3,000 of, of Israel's chosen choice men. There are 3,000 green berets. There are 3,000 seals outside the room. David doesn't have a chance. But David says, I'm not going to look at what I can see. I'm going to look at him that only I can see. I'm going to trust him. Verse 9, he says, I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. David said, I'm going to brag on Jesus. I'm going to brag on God. I'm going to do it in front of other people of God. David would praise and not complain. David wouldn't be quiet. That's an interesting thing. David says, I'll sing among the people. Well, you can't. You're in a cave with your men. But David says, oh, Doc, I'll take care of me. Can I show you something? God's so good to you. And he takes care of you and he meets your needs. And even when you don't ask, he's already working. And you never say a word in public. You never stand up and say, everybody just listen, God's great. You know, God is such a, an awesome God. We were living in Atikipa, Peru, and the houses all touch each other, and I'm a Tennessee hillbilly, and I wanted some room. And a landlord came to us and wanted to double our rent. And so I told one of the Peruvians, I said, go out and see if you can find me a house somewhere. And I was paying about $400 a month, and or 325, I believe it was. And he comes back and said, I found you a place for 250. He said, but you're not going to like it. It's a lonely place. And I said, what do you mean lonely? He said, the houses aren't close together. Betty and I have been driving through that area before, and I'd seen that. And I'd said, one day when we're rich, we're going to live in this area. They got acre lots, half acre lots. And I want to move here, glory to God. I don't like these people being right on top of me. He comes in the house and said, I can take you there. And we drove straight to that area. And I went, I didn't even ask. I didn't even have to ask. That's the God I serve. That's the God I serve. David would give testimony to the lost nations. You have got to get this. Verse 9 and 10, and you got to mark it. You missionaries ought to mark it. I will sing unto thee among the nations. God, I'm going to get out of from my comfort zone. I'm going to get out of my people. I'm going to get out of those that speak my language. I'm going to get away from the circumcised. I'm going to get out among regular people, and I'm going to brag on you. I'm going to sing unto you. And he says, this is what I'm going to sing. Thy mercy is great. Thy truth unto the clouds. 
David doesn't want to be exalted. David wants God exalted. Verse 11. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. Kings don't pray that way. You know, kings are the kind of guys like big shots and their own big mega businesses and multi-billionaires. They get up in the morning look at the in the mirror and go, boy, you're lucky to be me. Glory to me. I am number four in the world now and moving on up in the riches. Somebody check Forbes and see what my rank is because it's all about me and my glory. David says, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. It's not about me. And when you pray and you say, God, would you help me? You know what you need to pray? God, I want your will done. I kind of fussed at my wife. Because while I'm laying in the hospital dying, I'm on palliative care, which means we're going to keep you comfortable till you kick the bucket. And I'm laying in there, and I'm on the tube, and I don't even know what's going on. And Betty's begging God to save my life. And then finally one morning she goes, God, I don't want to pray this, but you can take him. I got better immediately. It's like she just wanted to give God glory. And God said, well, thank you for finally waking up, Betty. I'll let him get out of the hospital now. I'm like, Betty, you could have prayed that on day two. You'd have prayed that on day two, I'd have come bounce out of there, and y'all have been like, he didn't even really get sick. God is mentioned in pronoun or proper name 21 times. David's not seeking his glory. Our goal is to make God known all over the world. We all need to make getting the gospel to the world a priority. It's amazing. This Jewish king is writing songs and the nation of Israel has totally forgotten their mission. But God keeps saying, just go ahead and write this in the book. I know you don't do it, but you're supposed to. As a church, it ought to break our hearts. Nobody praises him in India to speak of. A handful of people in a few places. Nobody praises him in Indonesia or China. And even in South America, most of the preachers are prosperity gospel preachers who are not about God. It's about them. He ought to be praised. So how does this work in my life? Let me just take this psalm and work it with you a little bit. When you're hurting, pray and trust God that he will answer and work in your life. Here's the whole point. David's in trouble. You're in trouble. Whatever's going on, it could be a family issue, it could be a financial issue, it could be any number of things going wrong in your life, and you are trying to solve it. You're running to Dave Ramsey, you're running to doctors, and a lady spent all she had on doctors, and it wasn't until she got to Jesus, she got help. That don't mean we don't go to doctors, I kind of believe in it, but, <laughs> but, because they'll leave you scarred, amen, but hey, hey, talk to God, Pray. Trust that God finishes what he starts. David's like, God told me that I was going to be king. I don't think Saul can kill me. I don't think he can kill me if he tries. Because God gave me his word. By the way, there was a guy in the Old Testament who had a problem believing God's word. His name was Abraham. God did all kind of crazy things with Abraham. He'd take him outside and say, look up the stars. He'd say, hey, Abe. Can you count the stars? Dave? go, I can't count them. He said, I'm going to give you more kids than that. 
He said, let's go down to the beach. Can you count the sand? He said, no, sir, I can't. I'm going to give you more kids than that. And so Abraham goes and says, now, God, you seem to have a problem taking care of me. You really do. So I'd offer you my servant. And God said, I don't need your servant. I don't need anything you can do. I'm God. And then God goes, then Abraham goes and says, hey, how about I sleep with Hagar and get a child that way? And God's like, I don't need that kid either. In fact, is I'll give you a kid and then I'll ask you to kill the kid so you'll know something. It's all me. Not how good you are. Not Abraham couldn't wake up the next day, whoa, got her pregnant. I might be 100, but I still got it. No, he, did. he couldn't do that. God wanted him to say, it's all God. You need, you need to trust that God does what he says. You put your hand on the word of God and you can trust that God will do it. And he saved us. He saved us. He even said in 1 John 5, 13, I have written these things unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. God, get happy in God in the middle of your trouble. In the middle of your trouble, get happy in God. Don't wait to, get, don't wait to see victory. Get victory in the problem. In the middle of the cave, somebody walked in early in the morning. Oh, David's over kind of upset and crying and worried. Somebody came back in a little bit and said, what happened, David? And David says, I got my heart fixed. I am now ready. I can face whatever's coming. I've gotten myself happy. That's why you get in the word of God. That's why you get some good old songs and sing them to Jesus and tell him about your love for him. Trust God to take care of you and avenge any wrong. We're too set on hurting people that hurt us. David is running for his life. Saul is right there. If you can cut off the end of his garment, you could cut off his head. But David's like, not my place to get vengeance. My God will take care of me and I will trust God. But you plot and plan to see if you can't get even. I told Greg, I said, son, you're dead meat. I said, David Gardner's not even saved. He will get you. David, don't plot and plan for vengeance. I love Greg. He's a good young man. Say amen. How about this one? Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You listen to me. You don't even start to look towards porn without him going, that's your heart. Boom. Smoked. King James word. Punched. Gardner word. You, you're walking down the street and you look over and see a girl and, and her clothing or whatever calls your attention and you start thinking those thoughts. If you were honest, Holy Spirit goes, ah! You're starting to think about your vengeance or your hatred or your meanness or your pride or your greed. And something goes, that's Holy Spirit. You ought to be, hey, he's real. Quit acting like he doesn't talk to you because he smote David's heart. When he does, do like David. Back off. Stop. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I love this one. In the middle of your trouble, get your heart fixed, focused, and prepared for God to work. This fixed here is not like it was messed up, you know, in Tennessee hillbilly, I'm fixing to fix that. I'm fixing to eat. I'm fixing, fixing, fixing. It's not that kind of fixing. It's like David said, I was kind of wavering, but now I'm steady. See, when the, when the junk's going wrong 
and the boat's rocking. Jesus is asleep back there because he knows it's all okay. So calm down and wait. Let's give some testimonies. You say, well, I just don't like people think I'm bragging. Well, don't brag on you. Don't exalt you. How about you stood up one time and just said, I just want to exalt him. I just want to make much out of Jesus. I just want to tell you that I was lost and on my way to hell and he found me and changed my life. I just want to tell you God hears and answers prayer. You know, we ought to motivate each other that way. Don't say amen because we don't do it. And soon I'll give you a test. I'm going to say it's time to do this. And you ought to to do it. Not for me and not for others. God wants to hear you stand up and say, I love you, Jesus. What in the world is a wedding about? Everybody comes to a wedding already knows it's a pageant. It's all been done. Do you really think I'll look at her and say, "Uh, do you want to marry him? And she goes, no, I don't even know how I got here. Get involved in getting the gospel to the world. Not everybody has to go to the mission field, but everybody has to feel the burden. And I may be the one that goes, or you may be the one that goes, and I may be the one that sins, but I ought to be given financially to help get the gospel to the world. Just to be blunt honest, we're $8,000 a month down in missions giving. We got to get behind this thing. We got to get the gospel to the world. And let's get more concerned about God and his reputation than our own. I love it. David's a king. And you could expect a king to go glorify me. Lift me up. Make much of me. And he said, no, 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 God. I want to see you exalted above the mountains, above the sky, above the clouds. I want to see you exalted above everything. That'll be our goal. Father in heaven, I love you. I thank you for the chance to talk to your people that love you and love your word. They've already made up their mind. They basically always know everything I say. It's already not news to them. They've read it. They've studied it. But Holy Spirit of God, I pray you'd deal with our hearts about whatever it is we're doing. And I beg you, God, to magnify yourself, and I'll give you praise.